Okay, can you hear me all right? I think I'm good. Good morning, good morning. Happy Mother's Day for the moms. I don't, I guess I've done my bit now for the Hallmark Company. God has a plan for families. Moms play a part. Dads play a part. Um, interconnected families, all the aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas and all that. But really, it's God's plan. And um, Mother's Day is a wonderful thing. Hopefully, like your anniversary, your birthday, Father's Day, you don't need a reminder on the calendar to honor your mom or to honor your wife or to honor your children and for your children to honor their parents. Um, so, you know, we don't want to make a big thing about Mother's Day because, hey, it's, every day is God's day, and he tells you to honor your mother and your father. Do it. Do something nice for your mom. Appreciate it. God had a plan, and you were part of it, and your mom was part of it. All right. <clears throat> maybe you can see it. Maybe you can't. I stand before you, a man changed. Well, my hair did grow in a little <laughs> after Easter. But that's not the change I'm talking about. Today, a big part of the sermon is going to be about the Holy Spirit's power to change lives. If you accepted Jesus Christ, your life was changed. Number one, you started out as a person going to hell, and now you're not. That's a big change. It's an eternal change. Maybe you didn't see that. Maybe you didn't. When you actually accepted Christ, they're like, oh, I, now I'm, my, my entire eternal destiny has been changed. Maybe you didn't see that. But God is working in your life today, too, to change you. And we're going to see that in today's sermon. We're going to see that there are two ways of doing everything. There are two ways of thinking. There are two ways of behaving. There are two ways of living. God's way and man's way. So I need the kids. I need all the kids right up here. For those of you that think you're kids. This is, this is my, and Bill mentioned it, <clears throat> I shouldn't say my. This is your kids, grand, kids Jam group. And they are amazing. Just amazing. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiz you a little bit today. about a verse, a couple of verses. Let me see. i got to get this right. So what does this one say? Yeah, what does this one say? In which way is the arrow pointing? Yeah, you know why that is? Because most of the time we want to do things our way. And do you think God's way is different than our way? Sometimes. Yeah, it is sometimes because um, we get a little bit selfish most of the time. And so we want to do things our way. 
And sometimes, you know, we want what we want. Sometimes, you know, we want to do fun stuff, and your parents say, no, I don't want you to do fun stuff. I want you to do the hard stuff. And you say, I want to want to do that my way. I want to do it my way, not my parents' way. Well, we're like that as church people, too. As, as adults, we want to do things our way because we think that's the right way, but it's not the right way. God's way is always the best way, even for us, even when it seems like it's hard, even when it seems like it doesn't make any sense. Obeying God is always the right way. Yeah, we used to have, when our kids were little, um, a little song, Happy Way is to Obey. They didn't think that was the happy way. But, but they also found out not to obey was not the happy way. Uh, <clears throat> we, we administered corporal punishment back then. Um, people don't do that much anymore. And they found that the happy way is to avoid mom and dad's wrath. So we're going to th- think about that. So we all want to do things our way, Right? And the only way we can stop that is when God fixes us. Because the happy way is to obey God and do it his way. But we don't want to do that. Because inside of us, we're selfish. All of us. All of us. Everybody gets to wear the little selfish sign most of the time as we walk around. But... God says, I have a plan, both, as I said, to change me so that when, I, when, I, when I'm done here in this life, I get to go to heaven. That's a wonderful thing. But God also says, nope, I'm not going to wait till then to change you. I'm going to start working on you right now. What do you think it takes to be changed by God? Well, you have to accept Jesus first so that you can have a relationship with God, right? Otherwise, he just kind of leaves you to your own thing. Yeah, so first thing we got to do is have Jesus. And when we do that, God fills us with something. What do you think it is? What do you think's in here? Water, but does God fill us with water? No, sometimes it seems like it, but no. Um, God fills us with what? His Holy Spirit in himself, right? He comes to live in us. So let's just see. I'm going to do something. Now, I need you guys to line up in a straight line right here, just like we do in Kids Jam. Straight line. Back up a little bit. Back up a little bit and line up in a straight line just like this. Straight line this way. This way. Yeah. That would be straight. No, back this way. Back this way. No, straight line this way. You're not going to be able to see it if you don't stand in front. All right. Here's what happens. See this? What is it? Which way is the arrow pointing? This way. Let's see. What happens when God fills us with his Holy Spirit? Now, if you look straight through there, which way is the arrow pointing now? <laughs> Amazing! You can only, if you get off to the side, we got to get lined up with God in order to see it right, though, huh? Yeah, you get off to the side, it still looks right. But if you look through there now, the Holy Spirit is pointing us towards God's way because he knows that is the best way for us to live. All right, thank you so much. We'll see you guys downstairs. I'm leaving this up here for all of you. 
because that's what it's about today. We're going to do a little bit of reviewing. That's one of the problems that uh, <clears throat> we take a little, little chunks. I am a little chunker guy with Scripture. And then we start to lose the bigger picture. So I'm going to actually go back and read some of the things that we've done. That's why I don't have anybody up reading today. I didn't want to do that to them. We'll get to that. Because I'm going to go all the way back to 1-1, and we're going to get to here. Um, but this is a question I'm going to ask you right now. God's way or man's way? You just saw this lesson, and I told him a little bit about, you know, the happy way is to obey. That's doing it God's way. We were all born broken. All of us were born broken, and we were going a different way. In fact, it seems like this. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a man. It's man's way. But in the end, it leads to death. There's a way that seems right to a man. When, when, when we're doing it in the flesh, before Tim was changed by God, pretty much it was like, this is my life. I'm going to go it my way. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, I, there's a way that I want to go, and it's pretty much about me, my life. It's about me. It's my life, right? I want it to be about me. I have things I want to do. I have things that I want to accomplish. I have things that I would like to experience. It's about me. And that's how we all started out, because we were broken. And, and that was the way we are then Dedicated to going, following ourselves. We ask the question, well, I'll ask you the question in a minute. <clears throat> the problem is we have just enough of the image of God in us from the way that we were created before we were broken or after we were broken. We have just enough of the image of God to create stuff, to manage things to scheme and conspire, to dream and produce, to achieve, to contemplate, to analyze things, to plan things. We look out and we see that mankind is accomplishing all kinds of things, that he can do a lot. And we were created in the image of God with all of these qualities that were originally given to us to have a relationship and intimacy with God, and we have just enough of that still left over that we're able to do a lot of things, but we have so little of God's plan left in us that we have taken what, he, what we still have and turned it towards evil. And that's the way we are in our unsaved state. We're selfish, we're destructive, murderous, slanderous, self-advancing, despicable. We look out into the world and we say, hopefully you say, how can it have gotten so bad so fast? Now, so fast, that's in relative to me. Uh, I'm only almost 65, but in my lifetime, I have seen what I believe is in a massive decline in, in our culture, away from God and the things of God. 
It doesn't take very long to see what happens when people live man's way. It doesn't work. God had a plan in a way that he wanted us to live, and it was God's way. And then sin came in and broke everything, and God said, okay, I have this overall big plan, and I'm going to fix it all, and I'm going to fix you, but not right away. So in the meantime, folks, here's your reality. You're going to live, starting out, broken. And you're going to live in a world that's broken. And you're going to live with other broken people. And you're going to live with broken angels who you probably can't see, but they're there and they're working against me and they're working against you. And life is going to be painful and life is going to be hard because this is the consequence of doing it your way. See, there's nothing we can do that really works without God. You were designed and created by God to need God for everything that matters. When we are separated from that, we begin doing everything, thinking everything, doing everything our way. And so we're going to see, and actually going back through this, that the Holy Spirit has the ability and the intent to change us. Okay, so we see this again, and it's, and it's giving us even more of an idea that our way and God's way are not the same. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, God says in Isaiah 55, 8, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Man's nature and his image, made in the image of God, was meant to glorify God and serve God, but has been turned inward to selfishness, and we become the gods of our own lives. Therefore, there's only two ways of doing things now, man's way and God's way, and they are not the same. So Christianity, I believe, is in essence three things. One, Christianity is about being reconciled back to God by grace through faith in the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross. As I told the kids in the, in the object lesson, uh, the very first thing is you have to be reconciled back to God. If you want to be changed, if you want to have your life changed, how many of you would like to have your life changed? Yeah, I, I hope so. Uh, otherwise, what are you doing here? This is a change place. This, this, is, this is a change station as we come and filled with the Holy Spirit. God is working in us in the things that he does while we're here together in our worship, in our fellowship, in, this, in the reading of the word, in the preaching of the word, in the, in the other things that happen as we gather together as a group. That is for in believers who have already been accepted by Christ, who, who have already been changed, whose hearts have been changed and minds have been changed, this is that process that we're going through where the Holy Spirit says, I will change you now from doing things your way to doing things God's way. So that's why we're here. That's one of the reasons why we're here. So this is a kind of a change station, but I believe Christianity is, revolves around three things. One, being reconciled back to God. Two, 
being restored back to the place gradually here and eventually completely to where some of the things that we do are God's way once again as much as is possible in this life. Now, you're never going to be completely fixed while you're here. But Christianity is about being reconciled to God and then being changed. And I've said this so many times. Maybe you're thinking, Tim really only has about two sermons and he keeps giving them over and over. Uh, but I think these, these, this is the point. This is the big picture. There are only really these things that matter in your life. Christianity is being reconciled back to God so that I can be changed back to my original design so that I can spend, number three, eternity with God completely fixed with all of my needs being met by God. That was the intent in the beginning and Christianity is that process by which you get to go back to the garden 2.0, even better, with no chance of further rebellion. Okay, so you want to know what Christianity is all about? In fact, if you want to know what life is all about, that's it. This is the time period that God has given all human beings to go through that process. Some will, some won't. We're not going to get into, we talked about a little bit about election and, and, and being chosen before, but just know this is your opportunity. This is every person's opportunity to satisfy the three most important things about life, being reconciled back to God, being changed back into his image, and spending eternity with him completely fixed. So everything in the Bible Everything that we do is really about those three things. The first one is we go out and share the hope that we have so other people can come into the family and be reconciled to God and start their journey of being changed. Paul, as he writes this letter to the Thessalonians, we're going to see the essence of what's really going on here is evidence in these first, in, in, in chapter one, and then the first eight verses of chapter two, actually first nine or ten, is evidence that the Holy Spirit changes lives, and that's what we're going to focus on today. Because there is only one, two ways of doing things: man's way and God's way. So let's read back. Again, we take these little sound bites, and I'm only giving you like three or four verses, five verses at a time, so sometimes we lose the big picture. So I'm going to go back and read, starting in 1 Thessalonians 1.1 all the way through 2.8, so we can get a little bit more context for what we're going to talk about today. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, Remembering before our God and Father your work in your labor of love and steadfastness and hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he's chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in words, but also in power in the Holy Spirit and with conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. You received the word in much affliction but with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So much so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Acacia. For not only was the word of God coming forth from you in Macedonia and Acacia, but your faith in God has gone everywhere so that we need not say anything about it. For they themselves reported to us 
the kind of reception that we had among you and how you turned from, to God from idols to serve the one true and living God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus Christ, who delivers us from the wrath that is to come. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, but though we had suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any other ways to deceive, but just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, as God is our witness, nor did we seek from people, whether from you or others, glory, though we could have made demands as being apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children, so that being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but ourselves as well, because you had become very dear to us. <clears throat> what that really describes is a change in people's lives from doing it man's way to beginning to do it God's way. Both in Paul and Silas and Timothy, but also in the lives of the church in Thessalonica. So we go back and we look at Paul. So Paul is saying, look, I came here and we did it, and we did it in certain ways, and we've already talked about last week, you know, his methods, or not his method, we talked about his perseverance and boldness in trial and opposition, and then we also looked at what were his motives. And I asked you then, can't, ask yourself, how are my uh, motives? Are my motives pure? Am I doing it? Can I be a Paul and have the same motives? And then we had talked before that about the things that were going on in the church in Thessalonica. But Paul, we look at him and we see, okay, he came from what background? He was a, he was a, a Pharisee. And in fact, he was so zealous in being a Pharisee that he was killing people who were Christians. Do you think that he was doing it God's way? I don't think so. He thought he was doing it God's way, but it was self-righteousness. And when Jesus came, he, he saved his most severe rebukes for the Pharisees, those who claimed to be doing it for God, those who were up, up in the family of God supposedly, but he knew their hearts and minds and knew that their motives were self-righteous selfishness. And so Paul experienced an enormous change. Now, I didn't have any vision on my way to work that blinded me and God came out and spoke to me, but he had a life-changing experience. And he went from doing it man's way, seeking, working his way up the ladder of Judaism, seeking fame in Judaism. I'm going to be the best. And he was a zealot for the Jews, so much so that he hated anything that would take away that position and that power for the, the, this group of ruling Jews. And so he sought out those who were followers of Christ to kill them because, no, there's another way, a better way. 
And so there was an enormous change in the life of Paul. But then here was this church in Thessalonica the same way. And here they were, worshiping idols in a very, very pagan culture where there were different kinds of worship all over the place and gods and temples of all kinds and different religious constructs and philosophies that were very prevalent in the day. And so they were very pagan as a culture where they were. There was a small segment of Jews who were trying to worship God in the Old Covenant, and then there was this massive amount of Gentiles who were pagans. And yet Paul came, and all he said, and he would say later in some of his other works, I came to you with one thing, and that is to preach Christ and Him crucified, that Christ came to save sinners. And I didn't come with flattery, and I didn't come with a bunch of eloquent words, and I didn't come with a lot of power except the power of the Holy Spirit and the change that happened in the lives of the people in the church at Thessalonica was amazing, so much so that they became known everywhere. I am telling you that the Holy Spirit can have the same effect in your life so that People will hear everywhere about Machias Community Church and how they love one another and this change that's going on. They are not like they used to be. Every one of us, and it depends on when you accepted Christ and how quickly you allowed God to change you, but, but at some point, hopefully, people are looking at you and saying, man, you're different now. There's something different about you. There's something, you, you don't seem to be the same. I, I, I won't call out any people here, but there are some people here that I have seen enormous changes in their lives as God has come in and taken control of their life and changed them from the inside out. You know, before it was kind of like we were sin addicts and now, now we're in recovery Right? Here, this is the recovery process we've been, we've been taking away. And not only are we going to just be deprived of the drugs like a drug addict, and we're going to bring you in here and dry you out. No, we're going to change you from the inside out so that you no longer want to sin. So here we are, and, and we see that in the lives of some people. And um, I hate to call people out because I know, in a good way, um, but just in this last week, and I know that the reason I don't want to do this sometimes is because then I miss people, right? But I'll just tell you what I saw this week. I saw Jeff coming down here practically every day working on this church to make the lighting better for us. It's amazing. And he just took it upon himself to do it, and he just was here doing it all the time. And I said, Anita, coming in and setting things up, just coming down here on her own time and, and, and serving the body by setting stuff up downstairs and, and all these things that are going on behind the scenes. And I see Brian practically every day out there working, doing something around here to make the parking lot look nice. And then I see Amy out there working in the garden. And then Ralph and Wayne came down to, to work on the lawnmower and, and get... People are serving and people are loving, and I know that that is not who we were originally. I can see that God is changing people's lives and changing their hearts and making them start to think and live God's way instead of man's way. Now, that's not the point. The point is not, of Christianity is not just, let's just live better lives. Let's just be more friendly. Let's just be... 
This is something that's happening. Now, that is a result of it. But the real, the real thing here is that you've been changed so that you can be intimate once more with God and with one another. But those kinds of changes are going on as the Holy Spirit is working in the lives of those who are children of God. And so that's the encouragement. I want us to look at what's going on in Thessalonica back then. See what God did in the life of Paul, who was once a murderous person, killing Christians, to being maybe the superstar Christian of, of all that we can see and, and read about. And know that the same God, the same Holy Spirit that was working in the lives of the people at Thessalonica and who was working in the lives of Paul and Silas and, and Timothy is the same Holy Spirit that's in you. And that you can have that hope that God can work in your life. And again, it isn't just so you can be a better person so God will love you more. He already loves you as much as he's going to. We are not trying to earn God's love or earn our salvation or earn keeping our salvation. God is taking you from a place where you cannot have your needs met to a place where he's meeting all of them. And in order to do that, you have to be changed. We're going to be talking about how that change can occur. So in chapter 2, we read about um, different things that were going on. So Paul says... In, in chapter 2, verse 5. Well, first of all, he, he had talked early on in the first chapter about different things that, that they had accomplished, this working uh, in love and, and those, those three things that were uh, persevering in trial, uh, laboring on love, and then, um, hang on, I'll find the third one. Never mind, I'm not going to find it. But then we moved on to chapter 2. And in, the, in the, <clears throat> the first part of it, he talked about what his motives were. And he talked about coming and being able to share Christ even in the midst of opposition. So we talked about that last week. Where am I in my ability and my willingness to share Christ in the face of opposition? Where am I in my motives as I serve Christ? Am I doing it out of love for God and love for one another? Or am I doing it to be seen? So now we're going to be talking about Paul's methods as he comes and is sharing and how he is now employing God's way instead of man's way. So the funny part of it is in the first couple, he basically says, this is what I didn't do. So 1 Thessalonians 2.5, For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, which God is our witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made some demands as we were apostles of Christ. Okay, so we look at this and we say, is this what man does? Is it, would this be a plan if I was just a guy and not changed and, and I was going into a town and I wanted to start a group? What methods would I employ? Would flattery be something that works? Is it expedient? Yeah, I mean, if, if, I, if I came into here and I said, hey, I really want you guys to follow me and I'd like, I'd like to form this group. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you how great you are all the time. Is that something that would work? Sure, it does, right? And so how about, uh, you know, and I'm going to kind of come in here and, and sound like I'm good, but really 
what I want is I want your money. So do we see either one of those things still in churches? Go online and watch it on TV, and clearly the, the, the motives are not anything except I want people's attention, as we see in verse 6. I want you to follow me. I need power and influence. That is man's way. How many of you have ever kind of heard different things about, well, man, if Jesus was going to start a, a revolution in the, in the world, man, he, kind of a weird way is that. Go out and find 12 dudes that nobody's ever heard of. They don't have any sort of influence. They're probably not all that smart. Spend a bunch of time teaching them stuff. 12 guys and maybe a few other disciples. Serve them. Very intently stay away from the spotlight. Don't let people know why you're here. And then die serving others. You'd think, well, that's not a recipe for success. Because man's way and God's way aren't the same. God had a plan, and he knows his way is the upside-down kingdom. We see that a lot. You know, hey, God, what were you thinking? You're trying to, to evangelize the entire world, and this is how you do it? Because we see things through a different lens as men than God. And so God is saying, no, I have a plan. And most of the time, for even for your life, it isn't going to make sense because it's going to be counter what you feel inside you. You think this is how you find satisfaction. This is how you find somebody who loves you. This is how you find validation as a human being. And this is how you find pleasure. These are the things that you think you need to have a successful life. And, I, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's probably 180 degrees opposite in the kingdom of God. And it just doesn't make sense. And so here he's telling them, look, I came and I didn't use man techniques. That's how I know it's God. That's what he said in the first part. He said, how do I know that this was God working in you? Because when we came, we didn't do any of those things. We didn't do all the things that work for men. What we did was what God wanted. And then we can know that it is God doing it and not us. It wasn't me coming in here as this really eloquent speaker and getting people to just come because they're just, they're just enthralled with who I am and I have charisma and stuff. No, Paul says, I came and I preached a very simple message to you. That's how I know God is changing you. That's how I know you were chosen by God because you came and we saw the power of the Holy Spirit to change people's lives from these pagan idol worshipers to a group of people who are so dedicated to Christ that their testimony is echoing throughout the known world. You and I can be Thessalonians. You and I can do it God's way and not man's way. So Paul is just saying here, hey, I came. I did not use manly techniques. I used God's way. And then he goes on to describe that in the next two verses a little bit more intently. Okay, but we instead were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children and so, being affectionately desirous of you, 
we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. And in the Greek, that word is souls. Also our own souls, meaning we came and shared with you not just, okay, we've spent some time with you. We gave you everything. We invested our entire body, mind, and spirit into your welfare because you had become so very dear to us. Once again, if we look at this and compare it to man's techniques, okay, I'm going to come, I'm going to start a group, and here's how I'm going to make it work. I'm not going to use any of the techniques that, that man say. You know, I'm not going to put out some sort of a program. I'm not going to do some sort of a demographic study of this area uh, and say, okay, here's what we, and meet people's felt needs so we can tailor a product that people are going to like. No, we're just going to come and be gentle we're just going to come and love one another, love you and serve you like a mom, Mother's Day moms, that know what it means to be a nursing mother, to care for a child, to invest your very life into the welfare of another human being sacrificially and selflessly and say, look, I am here and I will die for you if necessary. Do we see that in the Eagles Club? And I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody. But do we see it in anything like that? Hey, where we have that level of commitment and love for one another that, hey, brothers, I would die for you. That I will sacrificially, I'll get up in the middle of the night if you're crying and need a bottle. And I'll come to your house and be there for you. Like a nursing mother. That is God love, people. It doesn't come from inside of us. And God will give us that so that we can love others with God love and do it God's way instead of man's way. And so being affectionately desirous, and that is, that's an interesting word there. It is a longing and yearning that so much so, and I've seen it and I've felt it myself, that I have this love and longing to be here on a Sunday with you. Skylar and I had a conversation, and I said, and I was talking to her about, you know, uh, life and how hard it can be and, and, and difficult place, and, and, and I said, you know what, for me, this is my happy place. And I've been out there in the world, and I've done different things, and, and I thought, well, there, I, I know I... Number one, I never, never really uh, met most of my goals that I'd set for myself in business or financially or anything. But I just said, you know what, I, I was unable to really find much satisfaction in this world. But then I come here and I'm serving people and that's my happy place. And God gave me that. God gave me a love for you and, and a longing to be with you in as many circumstances as possible because that's my happy place. It doesn't make sense. What do you mean, Tim, serving others? What do you mean, Brian, when Brian's out there mowing the lawn? What do you mean? How can you like that, Brian? What a drag. And then he's got a smile on his face because he's doing it to the Lord, and that could be a happy place. It doesn't make sense. Doing it God's way is, does not make sense to us as men. But, but he's pointing the way to say, if you do it my way, I will bless you. I know it doesn't make sense. I know you want to focus on yourself to get what you think you need and find it the way you think you can find it. But I have another way. And Christianity is about 
turning your mind away from man's way and your heart away from man's way to doing it God's way for God's glory and your good. God wants you to be a Paul. God wants you to be a Thessalonican. So we say, okay, how do we get there? Well, Romans 8, 5, and 6. For those who live according to the flesh, man's way, set their mind on the things of the flesh, man's stuff. But those who live according to the Spirit, God's way, set their minds on the things of the Spirit, God's things. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set your mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Last time I think I told you, I think it was last time I told you, I don't know that there's any other descriptors of a successful life than being able to have life or to have joy and peace and satisfaction. Okay. It says right here, if you do it man's way, it leads to death, separation from God, but it also leads away from peace and joy. And so we think we're chasing after that when we do it man's way. And it's so easy to have one foot in Christianity and one foot in the world thinking, okay, I'll do the God thing and kind of check that box to make sure I got fire insurance and I'm not going to hell. But I am going to pursue the rest of my life all these other things that are out in front of me. I, I, I want to advance in my career. I want to have nice things. I want to be able to take good vacations and stuff. And I think I can do that. How is that going to work? When one side of you is headed towards death and destruction and the other side of you is headed towards life and peace and you got to say, no, i got to be all in or nothing. we got to give it all. If you really want to experience God's way, which is thinking God's way, doing God's thing, behaving as God would have you behave, then you need to be all in because it says this, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So how do we do that? How do we say, I want to live my life by the Holy Spirit so that I can be doing it God's way and experience peace and joy and satisfaction? But if Christ is in you, it says, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If Christ is in you. So Christ is in you. If you are a believer, he's there. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, which he does, if you're a believer. That's a rhetorical question. He who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Okay, so what is he trying to tell me here? I am been taken away from eternal death, but I also can be taken away from living like a pagan by following the, the Holy Spirit's leading in my life. And then here Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If we had our, little, uh, if we had our kids up here, they could quote you that one, except we didn't do the, the last part, apart from me, you can do nothing. But they could tell you. I could take all the words off of there and just start them, and they would tell you, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who, whoever abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. Abiding in Christ. So we have living by God's Holy Spirit, who he puts in you, submitting yourself, giving your entire self 
examining yourself and finding those areas that you have kept back from God's Holy Spirit and willingly submit. And then abide in Christ. And that abide means this. We had this. What do we do, kids, when we abide in Christ? I don't know that word. You got to hang out with him. You got to spend time with him. You got to, he's got to be your best buddy. He's your, he's your savior, but he also wants to be an integral part of your life and your thought process all the time. I want to abide in Christ because he is the source. He's the vine. I'm the branches. And without the vine, I can't grow fruit. And the fruit is this change in my life as I become away from man's thinking to God's thinking. So we submit to God's Holy Spirit that we know is there, that is promised that he's there. And then we abide with Christ. And then I could take you back, which I almost always do, to Romans 12. And and basically it says you need to submit yourself, put yourself on the cross and sacrifice yourself and then be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Those are the steps to moving away from man's way to moving towards God's way. We can. We need to examine ourselves. We need to surrender to God. We need to find those places where we fall short and ask God to take those parts of our lives that we're holding back. We need to surrender everything and ask God to make our lives a miracle. Are we bold in the midst of opposition? Are our motives right and pure? Are we striving to please God or are we striving to please man or ourselves? Do we recognize our responsibility to serve one another and share the hope we have with others? Are we doing these things in gentleness and love and respect? Are we willing to and are we in practice giving our very souls into the lives of others. You can be that person. You can be a Paul. You can be a Thessalonican. For the God that you have inside you is greater than your problems, greater than your obstacles, greater than this world, and greater than your sin. What does God want from you? He wants all of you. And he can put you and keep you on the right path as you progress in this life in the journey to be transformed into the image of Christ. You don't have to do it yourself, but you do have to surrender. I've seen it. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in your lives. And, and we just got to keep doing it every day. Let's pray. Father, we, here we stand Somewhat changed, but we'd like to be changed even more. And Lord, that requires a continual act of submission to your Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and abiding in Christ and abiding in one another and being here and serving as we see that and we see it in the lives of others, we're encouraged to hang in there when it seems so tough, when life gets tough, when our trials just derail us a little bit, Lord, we can look out and find encouragement in the lives of other Christians. We can go to your word and see your promises and find encouragement there and know that you will never stop, that he who began a good work will finish it. Sometimes slowly, sometimes in fits and starts because we are so stubborn. Lord, take away that stubbornness so that we can be transformed the easiest way possible, so that we can learn the lessons the easy way, not the hard way. 
Lord, I thank you for the growth that I see in myself and the growth that I see in the lives of my brothers and sisters here in Machias. But Lord, we want to see your will be done, that you are glorified and that your glory is known throughout the community of Machias because of the life change that people see in the people of Machias Community Church. Lord, we just thank you for some of that that's already going on and we just praise you and thank you and give you the glory for what's going to happen in the future as you continue to work in us and through us to build your kingdom here in Machias. And Lord, I just thank you and praise you in all of that in the precious name of our Savior and your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.